0: As we've learned already, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is simply divinely produced character traits. Jesus, as he walked and lived on this earth, modeled all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Could we just pause and think about that? Isn't that just staggering? To think that when Jesus lived on this earth, he manifested a perfected, 100% developed fruit in all these areas. Perfect love. Perfect joy, perfect peace, all of these were totally in total maturation in his life. I don't know. I I mean, we know the sinlessness of our Savior. But when you think about it in terms of these attributes, it's just staggering to think about what it was uh, to connect and to observe the life of Jesus on this earth. The good news is that now as God's people, those of us who have been born again and followers of Jesus, Christ comes to live in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and as he lives in us and as we yield to him, he will develop these fruit of the Holy Spirit. They cannot be received by some special prayer, they are not received through some special impartation, but they are grown and they are developed. And they are developed through a partnership between you and the Spirit of God. They're not forced upon you and they're not produced just through your own total self-effort, but they are produced between a partnership, a cooperation, of what the Spirit of God is working in you, and your willingness to yield to that rather than to the old fleshly nature. So as we have made our custom through this series, I'd like for us just to repeat verses 22 and 23 of Galatians 5 where we find the fruit of the Spirit listed for us in the Bible. Would you say it with me? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience... Kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things or these things. Excellent job. You'll notice what I've highlighted on this uh, screen today, and that's because those are the two fruit that we're focusing on today, kindness and goodness. First of all, let's talk a little bit about the fruit of goodness. And let me say this from the beginning. Uh, I chose these two fruit combined to teach on today because of their similarity. Most of the fruit of the Spirit are very distinct, but these two, goodness and kindness, have a lot of similarities, and hopefully I can make the distinction clear to you today. So we're going to begin by talking about goodness. First of all, what is the meaning of goodness? Goodness. Goodness, the word literally here for goodness, means moral excellence or inner goodness that results or produces acts of goodness. Have you ever heard someone just say in reference to someone, it's just a good man. He's just a good man. What does that mean? Well, it could mean anything, couldn't it? But when someone usually says, that's just a good man, that means there's something on the inside of that person that is just morally solid, good, and probably means it affects the way that they live and behave. That's the kind of goodness that it speaks of here. And we we find this goodness uh, spoken of in Scripture both in a positive way as well as in a negative way. For example, Jesus was said to be good when he cast the thieves and the robbers out of the temple. Yeah, she said, oh, that was good. So the idea of goodness has not just to do with being syrupy sweet good. It has to do with being morally good, full of integrity and moral excellence. Goodness means more than just what we think of in the natural sense. Remember, this is a spiritual fruit. It is only produced by knowing Christ and the Spirit of God developing this in us. So what we could really say is this kind of goodness is only produced by Christians. Only true Christians can have this level of goodness, a sound goodness does that mean that people who are not believers can't be good in some way? No, it doesn't mean that at all, and it doesn't mean that they can't do good things. But this kind of goodness is an in-depth moral excellence that results in good acts. One of them is, I think, a good description of the idea of goodness is integrity. What a beautiful word, Integrity is. Integrity simply means deciding to integrate my heart's value into my daily actions. Integrity means to have some sense of uh, soundness and goodness on the inside of me. It has to do with the inner quality of the heart. God places a very high value on integrity. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. In other words, God places more value on integrity than he does on financial possessions. First Chronicles 29 and verse 17 says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. Do you know that integrity of heart is one of the things that makes God smile? When you walk in integrity, when your decisions and your judgments on a daily, on a weekly basis regarding your lifestyle, regarding your priorities, when those are made with integrity, God is pleased. We also know that in Psalm 78, verse 72, we see a description of King David. It says, David led them, speaking of the children of Israel, he led them with integrity of heart. He shepherded them with integrity of heart. There's something about integrity that God loves for us to develop. Integrity will keep you making the right decision. How many of you know that there's a lot of opportunities in life, in our culture, to, um, let's say, uh, spend time in the gray areas? You know what I'm talking about? We know what's right, we know what's wrong, we know what's ethical, but we know, well, I could do I could do this and probably get away with it, but it might not have integrity. God wants us as His people to develop integrity. So goodness includes this idea of integrity, but it means more than that. Look at some of these scriptures. Goodness means doing good deeds. Now remember I said that truly this word "goodness." can mean a good deed might not not look like a syrupy, sweet kind of a deed. In just a moment, we're going to look at kindness, which is a cousin to this, and we're going to see that kindness has to do with, with all really nice deeds that we do for people. But goodness might mean dropping the hammer on something, standing up for righteousness, standing up for what's right versus wrong. But goodness... Means doing good things. For example, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us consider how we can stir one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Galatians 6, 9 tells us what? God encourages us to not become weary in doing what? In doing good. Because at the proper time, we're going to what? Reap a harvest. Doesn't the scripture tell us in 3 John verse 11, Beloved, don't imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good? He who does good is of God. Do you see this? He who does good, this is the same word. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. This is not speaking of people who just do good things like you say, oh, well, the, you know, the Garden Club did a really good job this week. Oh, this is an inner goodness that speaks of a divine goodness. Did you know that Jesus was 100% good? Acts chapter 10, verse 38 speaks of his life, and it says that he invested his life going about with anointed by the Holy Spirit, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. By the way, I think healing people is doing good. Praying for people to be healed is part of good deeds. Now, I want to introduce you to kind of a, I don't know what to call it other than a principle. All right. So I think it's easy. I formatted it in a way that I think it's easy to remember. Good news plus good deeds equals good sense. Good news plus good deeds equals good sense. Historically speaking, there have been phases of Christianity that have swung the pendulum from one direction to the other when it comes to what is biblical responsibility. There have been seasons during, particularly, the evangelical movements. Uh, since the early 1900s, where the emphasis has been totally upon all that really matters is just sharing, broadcasting, telling the good news. Now, how many of you know it's important that we tell people the good news? The good news is what? That Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he was buried and was resurrected and lives today. And the good news is that all can be saved. All can come to Christ. Right? That's good news. Can you say Amen. Y'all look a little sleepy today. Just want to make sure you're with me. All right. That's good news, right? There was a major emphasis, and the pendulum was strong on this just an evangelical responsibility to proclaim the good news. And I will, for one, will never back off from that. But there have also been seasons historically where the emphasis of Christianity has been more on the social aspects of the gospel, on feeding the poor. on doing things socially to take care of people's practical needs. There have been times that that has been done at the expense of sharing good news. And the emphasis has been totally upon just humanitarian efforts. So I want to make an appeal to you today, and I actually think that God is doing this in the body of Christ today. I I am a student of what God is doing and where the Spirit of God seems to be swinging and emphasizing, and I I think there has, over the past uh, 10 to 20 years, begun to be a balance between a healthy understanding of us as born-again believers who love Jesus and who recognize that it is our mandate and our responsibility to affect people's lives for Christ. Everybody agree with that? Okay. So in that position, how do we view the social good deeds versus the responsibility to broadcast the good news? I argue today it doesn't have to be an either-or. In fact, I think the most powerful is a both-and. I think we're responsible... Always to share good news. But how much more powerful would it be if we add to good news good deeds, good works... If we meet people's practical needs, if we minister to them, whether it be in drug rehabilitation or whether it be in feeding the poor or whether it be in, in, in affecting whatever it may be in a society and culture that needs help, there are so many needs that we're very, very aware of. And I, for one, am not really interested in the government being the source of that. I want us as the believers, I believe, I believe the government has stepped into places where the church should have been active for years. And much of it is our fault because we have not been as much light and salt as we should be. So many people will never hear your message of the good news of the cross until their physical need is satisfied. So this is my view. This is my philosophy. Good news plus good deeds makes good sense. Good news plus good deeds makes good sense. And here's a great scripture that I think underscores the good deeds part. Matthew 5.16. Look at it carefully. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What is the emphasis of this verse? The emphasis is not on... My verbal preaching, you're telling the four spiritual laws, that's important. Okay, it's important. What is the emphasis on good works? Let your light so shine that so that what they may see. Not here, this part isn't here. There's plenty of other places that emphasize the hearing. How will they know unless they hear the good news, right? The emphasis of this verse is what? So that they may see your good works. And when they see your good works, it will help to lead them to a place of glorifying the Father which is in heaven. Listen, the body of Christ, Christians, we are responsible to be light and let our good deeds, our good works be light in darkness. We live in a dark world. We have so much to give, so much creativity, so much that we can do, good deeds. Good works makes good sense. I can't help but think about the scriptural example of Barnabas being an example of goodness. Um, Acts 11 and verse 24 tells us that Barnabas was a good man. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Do you know that many, many, many thousands of people came to Christ through Barnabas? The scripture commends him by saying what? He was a good man. Listen, it wasn't Barnabas' great doctrine that drew people to Jesus. It wasn't his speaking style, even, that drew large crowds to Christ. It was simply what drew people to him is that he was a good man and he did good things. That's what Jesus explains to us in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Goodness is is something deep inside that results in doing good things. Now, as I said, this is very much akin to the fruit of kindness. But I want to distinguish them, obviously, because they're listed separately in the Scripture. Kindness is a little bit different. Kindness simply means an approach and and a way of living to where you are kind to others. Kindness might have to do with words. Kindness might have to do with behavior. Kindness might have to do with deeds. Titus chapter 3 and verse 4 tells us that Jesus is the kindness of God. Do you know that Jesus was kind? He was kind. God's type of kindness is the kind that reaches out to this mean-spirited world. I don't want to be negative this morning. But it doesn't take sometimes very long for you to realize that there's a lot going on in our world today that's just mean-spirited. If I can, the the flip side of kindness. There's a lot of unkindness that goes on in our world today. Do you all know what I'm talking about? I have a brother that has special needs. He's four years younger than I am. He's in a special home in uh, Austin, Texas. Um, I remember Jimmy when we were young boys and we went to school. And we were both in elementary school at the same time, but he had learning issues and other things. He was borderline autistic. And Jimmy, uh, because of his special needs, uh, and particularly during those days, I mean, you didn't have as much understanding of special needs as you do today. It was very common, in fact, it was almost normal that on the way home, when I was a a young boy and would frequently just say, Jimmy, you catch up when you can, we'd walk from school back home. And I'd rush out ahead, and uh, many times I remember having to turn back, got home, where's Jimmy, he's not here. I have to turn around and go back, only to find that some scoundrels in the neighborhood would have taken Jimmy grabbed him and thrown him into the trash can in the midst of all the garbage and all that kind of stuff. So I'd have to go and rescue him from the garbage can, clean him off, take him home. You know what I realized as a young boy? There's a lot of unkindness in the world today. There's a lot of mean-spirited people. Uh, The real unfortunate thing is when Christians act unkind. That's really, really sad, isn't it? In fact, in some ways, what do you expect from someone who doesn't have Christ living in them? I mean, really, in some ways, I I don't know how much more we can expect out of people that don't know Christ. But for Christians, listen, we have absolutely no excuse. We need to yield the development of the fruit of kindness in our lives. Do all the good you can. This is a, I love this quote from John Wesley, so I just decided to put it up there for you to where you can see it. John Wesley used to teach. All of you know John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement. And he had a major cultural transformative impact during his day. Do all the good you can. By all the means you can. In all the ways you can. In all the places you can to all the people you can, as long as you can. It's pretty good advice, isn't it? That's doing good. Those are acts of kindness. Does the Bible teach us other places that we should be kind? There are many scriptures. For example, one is found in Ephesians 4.32 when it says, be kind. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ in Christ, God forgave you. Now, by the way, this is written to who? The church. Did you know that sometimes it's easier to be kind to someone who's not in the church than it is to a fellow believer? To someone in your church, someone that you know and someone who's gotten on your nerves a little bit and has been a little bit annoying and irritating to you, which I know no one in this room is, is that way, but there may be others. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's the reality of living as, as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, right? But the Scripture tells us we're, we can't just get along with just being kind to people in the world, people who don't know Christ. We're also supposed, supposed to be kind to one another, that might mean when we see someone has a need, help meet it. When someone needs to be lifted up, help lift them up. Kindness. Oh, You know, if we demonstrated more kindness, we'd probably have revival. Y'all know what I'm saying? Just be more kind. Unfortunately, there has been certain segments of the, the church in general across our nation that has developed an image in the mind of some people in our society, which is anything but kind. Now, regardless of your philosophical, political, or whatever kind of views, may I just say to you, regardless of what, could we just always commit ourselves to being kind? Be kind in whatever we do. Take whatever positions and viewpoints you want. Be as engaged as you can be in society and in culture. But as we engage, be kind-hearted and do kind things. James tells us, you know, James, if you ever want to get practical, read James. You just want to cut through it, go to James. James says this, Suppose you see a brother or a sister who needs food or clothing and you say, well, goodbye, God bless you, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Someone once said that kindness has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. We're all very familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. We all know that that story illustrates for us what? What it means to be kind. We know that it was the Samaritan that his, he stopped and saw the need of the one that was on the side of the road, wounded, robbed, hurting. It wasn't the religious person. It wasn't the person of privilege, but it was the Samaritan. Jesus uses the Samaritan to encourage us to take care, show acts of kindness towards neighbors. Jesus ends the story of the Good Samaritan by saying this, go and do likewise. Act like the Good Samaritan. Go back and review. We don't have time this morning in Luke 10, and look at all the things that the Good Samaritan did that showed compassion and kindness. Wow, we need more of that today. There's a lot of lessons from the Good Samaritan story. Uh, We need to be responsive to people's needs. We, We need to be attentive. We need to respond with compassion and kindness. We need to always respond practically. So much that we could say. How kind are we to other people? How kind are our words and what we say to them. How kind and how we treat them. And especially how we think of them. Jesus loved sinners who wanted to change. Jesus touched the ugly, the deformed, that no one else wanted to touch. And regardless, he always showed kindness. That's the kind of mercy that God wants us to to show to others. Cal Thomas, the uh, journalist, wrote this. Love talked about is easily ignored. But love demonstrated is irresistible. It is true. Jesus not only talked love, but he modeled it for us. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. Very, very quickly, I'll mention these and close with two illustrations. There's a couple of different ways that I think we can show kindness. Kindness, one of the aspects of the fruit of kindness is in genuine friendship. One way that we can develop and show the fruit of kindness is by being a genuine good friend. Now, the Bible describes genuine friendship for us quite well. Go read the book of Proverbs speaks a lot of friendship. We have many examples and models in Scripture of good friends, what it means to be a good friend. It says a, a brother is born for adversity, and a friend loves at all times. Listen, if it's a true, genuine friend, even in the difficult times everybody else turns against you, a friend's love will be unconditional. Really, you know what real friendship's about? when it's really tough, when it's really, really difficult. That's what real friends are about. So one way that you can show kindness is invest in building genuine, good, quality friendships. Also by doing kind and considerate deeds. By deciding to do something kind. Maybe I just challenge you that this week, would you just consider, what might I do that's just kind to others? You know, I'll say something for my wife in her absence today. She amazes me at how much kindness she demonstrates towards people. Um, I'm thankful that she has the time and the freedom to do this these days. But uh, she'll go to the grocery store, say, honey, I'm going to the grocery store. I'll be back. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. I know that the list is not a long list. But an hour and a half later, she comes home. But I know what she's been doing. Everybody that she can find in that store who needs help, reaching something, finding something, uh, she will engage uh, with anybody and everybody, and particularly if they're hurting or they're elderly or they're poor, Carrie's going to be doing something for them. So I know when it's an hour and a half and two hours later, I know what she's been doing. It's not, you know, it could, I would have been in it. ten minutes, I'd be done. Been done, been home. Not caring. And the reason is because she allows herself to get interrupted. Me, I don't, but she does. She allows herself to get interrupted so that she can find ways to be kind. It's actually on her weekly agenda. How many people can I connect with this week and show them acts of kindness? You know, there's something to be said for random acts of kindness. The people have no clue. Why are you doing that? Of course, many times those random acts of kindness open up a door that you can tell them, oh, it's God's love. It's really because of my relationship with Jesus Christ that I can do this for you. But all of us can do kind and considerate deeds. We can also show kindness simply by being good listeners. Being good listeners is a way to show kindness. And lastly, by planting seeds of the gospel. One kind deed is to plant seeds in a way that's not Bible bashing, you know, not threatening people with, hell, although we believe in the reality of hell as punishment, but by showing people and planting seeds of the good news, by the way, it is good news, of Jesus. Amen? I want to close with uh, two illustrations. Uh, Quite a number of years ago, my wife and I were living in an area in Chesapeake, and we uh, had... Uh, where our home was located. It was right next to a cul-de-sac, and uh, we moved there, bought this home, and um, the way that the landscaping and the yards were, um, they were wide open. There was no fences in in this particular neighborhood. And so the backyard was wide open, and uh, we had a neighbor, uh, neighbors who were uh, past post-retirement age and uh, named Gene and Phyllis. Gene and Phyllis, we uh, immediately began to build a relationship with them and just get to know them. And uh, over the next few years, uh, I would find every opportunity that I could just to talk to Gene. I might be mowing the lawn or planting flowers or whatever it might be, and I'd see Gene over there, and I'd walk over, Gene, so tell me now. Where do you? And we'd engage in conversation. He was a friendly guy. So we began to build a relationship with Gene and Phyllis. And um, when they would leave town, uh, we would offer to help them take care of their place and pick up their mail, and these kinds of things went on. I began to make it a practice because uh, uh, Gene would see me sometimes grilling on our back deck, and and he'd make some comment. So I began to make it a practice to take, always cook extra food. So we'd make extra food. And I'd take a platter of food over to Gene and Phyllis. Say, hey, just thought y'all might enjoy. We had some extra barbecue chicken left over today, and just thought you might enjoy. Oh, I love barbecue chicken. And they take it in, and then they just rave about it. And so then, next thing you know, we're into discussions the next week about barbecue sauces. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. But they were simply consistent acts of kindness. And there were numerous things, stories that I could tell you that happened over about a five-year period. I probably took three years before Gene ever, he wasn't an intrusive kind. He kind of operated on old uh, courtesy protocols. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be nice to ask too many personal questions. And so finally, and I wasn't being forward with my career, what I did, and so uh, one day it came up and, he was retired in military, and so uh, he finally said, "Now, what? Is, now, what? What is your career?" This is like three years into the relationship. <laughs> so I said, "Well, I actually I pastor a church." Really? <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, it's just down the road." Oh, okay, I've passed by that church before. I said, "That was about where I left it." So now and then, Jean. Or Phyllis would say, and how's the church doing? Just kind of as a matter of conversation. And, oh, it's doing good, doing fine. fine. Never made a big deal out of you really must come to church. Now, I I, have, I think it's great to invite people to church, but that's the first thing they expect from the pastor. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It actually is far more effective for you to invite someone to come to church than for me. So, um I think maybe one time we had some special event or something and I invited him and This didn't come. Fast forward, we'd probably been in relationship for and I'd say by this point we were good friends. And uh I mean it was just they knew our boys and, and we just we're just good friends. Phyllis ran over to the house in great alarm. Um, and she said, um, you need to help uh, gene something's wrong with gene i 've called the ambulance, so we went over they were rushing Gene off to the hospital, found out that he had had a heart attack. We went to the hospital after they were admitted and had been diagnosed with uh, uh pains and that they needed to do surgery i 'll never forget Karen I sitting in that hospital room taking their hands, and saying, you know, we've known each other for over five years. And you're getting ready to go into surgery, life-threatening surgery. I've never once pressured you or made you feel obligated to know my beliefs. But I want you to hear something now. So I let actually, Carrie, I said, Carrie, tell them your story. So Carrie shared her testimony, how she came to Christ, how she was an alcoholic and she had a rough past, and how she made a decision for Christ as an adult. They just stood there, sat there just listening. Gene laying on his hospital bed. So she got through and I said, I said, We believe that anybody can have a relationship with God and have eternal life. I don't know whether you're going to die in this surgery or whether you're going to live. We're praying you're going to live and everything's going to be fine, but wouldn't you like to go into the surgery knowing that you have eternal life regardless of what happens? And he said, yeah, I would. We sat there and grabbed Gene and Phyllis by the hand and we prayed with him, and led them both to Christ that day before surgery. Went through surgery. Surgery was successful, all was great, and the friendship continued. But now Jeannie Phyllis had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm convinced that part of the reason was because of kindness. It wasn't because I had bashed him over the head with three scriptures. There was acts of kindness. They liked us. There's nothing wrong with people just liking you because you're just good and kind. And those acts of kindness will open up amazing doors for the gospel. I close with this. This week, one of our members, I was at their home, and in passing happened to mention, because we saw a neighbor across the street, happened to know that that neighbor... uh, has been fighting cancer. And her husband's deployed. And uh, so my friend mentioned to me, yeah, he said, you know, the other day, uh, her lawn was really getting out of control, so I just went over and mowed it. Just mowed the lawn. And uh, just took care of it. And I thought to myself, there's another example. What is that? That's... Kindness, you see, that's kindness. That is a, an example of the fruit of the spirit of kindness. Now, I want you to stand to your feet as I close. Thank you for belaboring my stories. Only the Holy Spirit in us can produce quality fruit. Would you just pray with me this morning, and allow? him to have more control than he's ever had in your life and I pray that you would regularly produce the fruit of goodness and kindness I would ask that our prayer teams would come forward at this time Heavenly Father we thank you that the spirit of Christ does live in us and we thank you that goodness and kindness are not things that are just done by the Red Cross. It's not just done by non-profit organizations. Goodness and kindness are fruits that belong to Christians. It is an expression of the Spirit's control of our lives. And today, Father, I pray that you would give us not only take more control of us and produce more goodness and kindness, but I pray that even you would give us ideas of how we can cooperate with showing that fruit this very week. Help us to be kind to one another within this church, beyond this church, in the community, and around the world that we be known for acts of kindness and that ultimately people would see that it comes from the light that shines from within. We pray this in Jesus' name.